Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Birth control has opened the door to thinking that children are expendable. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I promised you we were going to do another podcast on the enemy's agenda to defile or defy the Creator. And I left you with a thought about the church's role in this. So I want to really challenge your thinking and your theology and your culture and your Americanism and your humanism and your materialism and any other isms you might have hiding in the closet. I'm going to make some strong statements. They're not dogma, but I'm going to give you some suggestions to really consider, to process, and you can examine the scriptures and see if they're so. In Romans 1, we talked about the purpose of the what looks like a sexual revolution of transgenderism and gender identity is really even greater than that. It's to basically outlaw God, to outlaw conviction, and verse 32 says, force us to be in hearty approval. But when you ask somebody the question uh, that would side with most of the people listening to this podcast, certainly with my opinion, that God made male and female very distinct and for a unique purpose and to be together one man for one woman for their whole life. That's God's divine design, even though man has worked tirelessly to mess it up. If you ask the question, why is homosexuality or lesbianism or any other kind of sexual perversion, why is it a sin? You know, the answer is it's just wrong or it's unnatural or, you know, that's usually what you get. But actually, the the first chapter of Romans gives it to us in a nutshell in verse 26. It says, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Notice, natural for unnatural. Changed the use of sex and what its purpose was, of what their body was made for. The same thing is said in verse 27 about men, the exact same thing. They burn with men, with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their reward. So again, an abandonment of the natural function. What is one of the natural functions of sexual intercourse between a man and woman? And remember, God has prescribed sexual intimacy, actual any sexual activity, only for marriage. So any kind of sexual stimulus outside of marriage would be sin. Okay, now sex is not just for gratification. That is the fruit of sexual intimacy is that there is gratification. So there is a there is a draw to draw men and women together, uh, to work out their differences so that they could be one, Uh, that alluring factor God put in there so that a man and a woman would stay together in spite of things. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but that is really the truth. Uh, But what is one of the things that happens when uh, a man and a woman have relations? There is the potential for procreation. Now, here's when I ask you, a question. Is Psalm 127.3 true? For behold, children are a gift of the Lord 
the fruit of the womb, a reward. Children are a blessing. Are children a blessing? Or are just some children a blessing? And if children are a blessing, and they are, are there any other blessings that we work overtime to limit? Is there any other way that you believe God wants to bless you when you say, God, I don't want any of those blessings? And if you do not want the blessing of God, I want you to think of people that aren't walking with God or might be backslidden, uh, who reject God's blessings in certain area of their life by not being obedient. Do you think that that grieves God? And do you think that in the futility of their mind, while they're trying to reason this out, that they are missing a great opportunity to be used by God and to experience God in a new dimension? Is that a possibility? I think when we see people being disobedient, take something just like tithing. I mean, let's just take something very, you know, superficial. You know, those of us that are tithers, you know, one of our passions for teaching other people is we we're like, man, there is a blessing. I mean, I want to be obedient to God, but the truth is there's a blessing. What you sow, you reap. What a great principle. And what happens when you try to sow something and then cut off the reaping of it? Uh, child prevention, uh, what we call contraception today. Why has that become so acceptable and in most cases, not even thought through. And that's really the, the file I'm grinding here today, is not to convince you of my position, but to challenge our thinking on why the issue of children being a blessing is not even thought about. Most Christian couples using contraceptive haven't even considered what God says, what his mandate is upon us to replenish the earth and to fill it, but it's strictly based on our lifestyles and our needs and our wants. And I think we're, we're absent on this and we need to get more plugged in. It's interesting to me that before 1930, there was not one denomination that authorized contraceptive. And, and today I think many Protestants think, oh, it's a Catholic issue. No, it's not a Catholic issue. I mean, the Catholics are, are right on this doctrine, I believe, in paper, they don't enforce it or talk to it about it much, but I believe they're right on it when you follow the teaching that they give. Of course, you know, there's really only one example in the Bible of contraception. That's in Genesis 38, uh, when Onan spilled his seed so that he would not go into his uh, deceased brother's wife that he was supposed to take as a wife. And, and why didn't he want to do that? Because he did not want to have somebody else that would be part of his inheritance. Uh, by the way, God struck him dead. There's only one instance in the Bible, and you don't want to build a doctrine on one instance, but you can't deny the one instance either. But he did not want to share his inheritance. There was a, uh, what should I say? There was a financial concern with Onan spilling his seed. When I have talked to Christian couples getting married, or, or just going through life about why they're not having children, uh, often it is based on finances. Now, what concerns me is are we putting a price tag on a child's life? Are we denying the father the pleasure, the father, of having children? 
when we insert something into our bodies, on our bodies, or even use surgical means so that what we sow we don't reap, are we not in fact changing the natural use of our body? It's a question I'm asking you. Is that not a change of the natural use of our body? People say, well, does that mean that we should just be having children all the time? No, no, not at all. Uh, The Bible says very clearly whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if you do not have the faith to have children or have more children, then what you need to practice is not having intimacy during fertile times, and that is totally possible to do. But to say that I'm going to sow and then I'm not going to reap, I'm going to outsmart God. And I know most Christians are not thinking that lucid. They are not being that intentional or objective in their thinking. But nonetheless, I believe we've been beating it. We've been beaten into cultural submission. You know, we talk about Planned Parenthood, but you know what the original name of Planned Parenthood was until it was changed? It was called the Birth Control League for many, many years. It was the Birth Control League. And Margaret Sanger, the queen of child killing, believed wholeheartedly, if you read what she said, that birth control was the avenue to child killing or what we call abortion. It would open the door to people considering children as totally expendable. Uh, Wayne Gruden, a uh, a Grudem, a, a, a current theologian has has written good on this. If you like more to read, you could look up Wayne and he's written, I think, some articulate considerations to give. But what I'm going after here is, have we misrepresented sexual intimacy? Have we presented sex as just legal ecstasy that is designed for marriage and we've taken out the concept that one of the benefits and blessings of marital intimacy is the joy of bearing and raising children and embracing children as a gift from the Lord. Is there compromise in the camp of not really saying, Jesus is Lord over my body? Hmm, isn't that interesting? We fully expect somebody not under the Lordship of Jesus who is carrying an unborn child in their womb, who may have conceived that in less than ideal circumstances to say, you should embrace that child and we'll help you and God loves that child. My question is, why isn't that good for the church? Even if a child was conceived that we didn't expect, that we thought was a surprise, that we didn't plan for, why would we expect somebody that's not saved to hold a higher standard than the believer is willing to hold to. So I'm just trying to stretch your thinking today with the scriptures and ask you this question. Are we trying to outsmart God? Are we trying to violate one of the key principles of scripture that what a man sows, that shall he reap? Are we trying to sow, yet not reap? Are we doing things that are unnatural to avoid the natural, in this case, positive consequence of sexual intimacy in marriage, which could potentially be 
pregnancy. I'm not suggesting for a minute that all sexual intimacy in marriage should be designed to procreate. I don't believe that. I don't think the scripture teaches that. As a matter of fact, I think there's some things that it teaches against that, that there is a time where men and women come together not to be tempted to enjoy one another. I think that's clear. But I also know that there are some natural laws that I think we need to go back and reinvestigate and really challenge ourselves and ask ourselves going into marriage, are we ready for God to maybe surprise us even if we don't think we're ready? (laughs) Possibility, huh? Or are we going to take natural measures, in other words, abstinence during those fertile times, we're going to honor the process of sowing and reaping and use Christian discipline, wow, there's a challenge, huh? But again, I'd like you to go back and read this, and I just wonder what part we have in contributing to honoring and giving hearty approval, as verse 32 says, to things which to God are very unnatural. Hey, I hope you really think about this. That's what this is designed to do, to get you to think. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Today, Keith posed some questions to challenge our isms. What happens when you try to sow something and cut off the reaping of it? Why has contraception today become so acceptable and in most cases, not even thought through? If all children are a blessing, and we know that they are, are there any other blessings that we work overtime to limit? Makes you think. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.